Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, Pod Squad members Tracy Carr and Shelley Ziegler explore what it means to DNF, why you should give up on a book, and specific books they've given to Axe. Please note that the following audio has been pulled from the DNF Did Not Finish Shelf Absorbed video that was posted to the Mississippi Library Commission YouTube channel on August 11, 2020, and has been edited to better fit the podcast format. So, stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shelf Absorbed. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Tracy. Are you ready to talk about books today? I am always ready to talk about books. You know me. So today uh, we're going to talk about, you know, librarians love acronyms. Actually, I'm sure probably every profession loves acronyms, but I have a feeling that librarians love them even more than other people. We do and have so a lot that we use. <laughs> there, there are a lot, but one acronym that I know that Shelly and I really like is DNF. So tell me what DNF means, Shelly. Did not finish. So a book, yes, this is, this is a designation. You give a book on a reading list, on Goodreads, whatever, that you just, uh-uh, not happening for a variety of reasons. It goes onto the DNF pile or the DNF shelf or, or, or whatever. So two things to know. One, is it wrong not to finish a book? Well, you wanted me to give my opinion. Yes, on I, I, that's the, the pausing indicates. I have very strong opinions about DNFing. I not only think it's right, <laughs> I encourage it. Because if you're reading a book and you're struggling and you just aren't getting into it, it doesn't matter how many pages. I typically give a book, I try to give a book 100 pages, but sometimes I give it two pages. I mean, sometimes I know right away it's not for me. But if you're not into a book and you're sticking with it and that typically means that you're slowly reading it and you have to make yourself read it, then you're keeping yourself from all those other books that you want to read. And let's face it, we are never going to be able to read all the books we want to read in our lifetime. So why waste your time? It's not necessarily a bad book. It's just not the right book for you at that time. Exactly. I always say the thing about like, I'm never going to get around to reading all the books that would be perfect for me. And this book, for whatever reason, sometimes you don't finish because it's too painful. It reminds you of a situation in your past. Yeah, have or, yes, it's a trigger. Or sometimes it's just you're not in the mood for something like lyrical and beautiful and you just want like a fast paced book to read. Yeah. And then sometimes you just hate it. Sometimes you know that you will never return to that book. And that's a good thing to know about yourself. It is. So one thing you need to know about this episode is that there are going to be spoilers because we cannot tell you why we stopped reading a book without saying what happened to make that happen. We can't just say, well, a thing happened on page 12 and that would not make a very good episode. So I'm going to start not with the book I hate the most, but with the book that inspired this episode. So this is... Time After Time by Lisa Grunewald. It's a beautiful cover. Isn't it a cute cover? Yes, I was really looking forward to this. It's available at the Library Commission if you'd like to borrow it, if this doesn't ruin it for you. Okay, so there are certain genre, genre, 
as Alex Trebek says, and if you haven't, I think I talk about this every time, but if you haven't, <laughs> y'all need to Google Alex Trebek genre. And it's a clip of him saying genre like 27 times. And sometimes he's like extra French. So I can't, I can't even say it the real way without saying it the Alex Trebek way. But anyway, one genre that I really like, I like a good time travel love story. I also like books set in England about crumbly houses and mysteries. Kate Morton is, is great for those. It seemed to hit all the, all the things. So again, spoilers, turn this off if you want to read this book and you don't want to know the setup. But in this book, this guy named Joe works at Grand Central Station and it's, I don't know, 1932. One day he sees this girl and she's got perfect copper ringlets and she's dressed slightly odd and she's not wearing a coat and she asks him to take her home and he tries to and then she disappears and he's like, what? And then he's sad for a year. Then it's December again. And there's also this whole thing with like, there's a equinox or something in Manhattan. There's a, a day in December where the sun hits all the buildings just right and they call it Manhattan Hinge and it's like Stonehenge. So it happens to be on Manhattan Hinge a day that, oh my gosh, there she is. And so they chat and she disappears again. And but but before, I don't know, he she gives him his, her phone number or something and he calls the number and the guy who answers says, she doesn't live here, but you need to come talk to me about, I need to tell you something. So he goes because it's a book like this. Like I wouldn't go, I'd be like, ooh, creepy. <laughs> he wants to find out what's going on. Right. So he goes and he's like, look, I bought this house from this woman. Her daughter was killed in this horrible train accident in 1925 or something, 20s. And for some reason, people keep calling here saying that they've seen her, but it's only in December. It's only on the anniversary of her death. So Joe is like, what a ghost, weird. And again, a year passes, December 5th or whatever it is, she pops up again. I and they, it. it sounds like a really good book. I, it <laughs> does. And the reason I, I gave it up is pretty petty of me, I'm going to say. So, okay, so we're like three years into this romance at this part, point, right? So anyway, this third year, he's like, oh my gosh, I know, you died. She's like, what? I know, it's so weird. I can only be alive, and every time I leave Grand Central Station, I die again. So then she goes, they walk outside, and she disappears or something. I'm probably getting this wrong. The next December, it's cloudy. No Manhattan hinge, guess what? She doesn't, I can't even remember her name. I want to say it's Nora. Oh, it's Nora. Uh, so Nora doesn't show up. Yeah. Okay, so now we're five years into this, okay, by the next year. He's been pining for her now for, for all of these years and hasn't seen her in two years, right? Because she didn't show up that next year after they yeah. said hello. He's like, okay, look, here's the deal. Grand Central Station has hotels in it. We're just going to stay here. We're not going to leave Grand Central Station if that's the terms of this thing. So they get a hotel room. And you know where this is going. It's a time travel love story. So finally, I'm literally, this is where I left off, 180 pages. After all of this anticipation, they finally get this hotel room. And it's like, they had a great time. So <laughs> you're like, I, there's a lot of buildup. Yeah. There was a lot of buildup. And look, I'm not reading an X-rated book. This is not a Zane novel. And that, those are cool. I just, that's just not what this is. 
But I wanted a little bit more. Five years in, thinking yeah. about her proper curls every day, going to mass and praying and blah, blah, blah. And Is this a book you think you might pick up again? No. <laughs> Maybe if I become less petty, um, which is mm, very doubtful, but I might. I might just decide because so it's December 7th and now Pearl Harbor has happened. I guess it's the time I, mean, I, I had my years wrong and it sounds like this is going to go on for years and years and whatever. So I, I might break down and uh, and see what happened, but I'm I'm always going to hold a grudge. I'm thinking you won't. I don't think you can get past that. Because <laughs> if there's something in a book that just really like kicks at you, like mm -hmm. I don't think you can let that go and just say, okay. It didn't, it didn't like advertise itself as like hot and steamy, sexy stuff, but could you give me a little bit more than, ah, oh, then it was great, everybody, oh. it, it just wasn't, no, no. Well, you, you definitely gave it uh, a lot, 180 pages. So, I don't know, I think you should just let it go. Yeah. Okay. Well, you ready for my first pick? I am. It sounds, it's a kind of a controversial book because it won the Pulitzer Prize in 2014. But it's the Goldfinch. Oh my gosh. Is it on your list? several things I don't like about it. First of all, let me show you. Okay, I like when a chapter ends and then there's blank page and then the next chapter starts. Well, this one, a new chapter starts in the middle of a page. Mm. So what that does for me visually is it doesn't give my mind time to take a pause. It's like you finish the chapter and then you go right into the second, the next, the next chapter. And it's just a thing for me. I don't like it. I don't like, and the font in this, in this particular edition, which is what I tried to steer from the library commission, um, it's very small and I don't like small font. I don't do well with it. It doesn't make me, I, I mean, I can see it. I'm just not comfortable with it. But the book, okay, the book is about this kid, Theo, and his mom. And it starts out, they go to the Met and they go uh, to visit, um, they don't just look at artwork, but they look at this particular piece of artwork, which is the Goldfinch. That's why it's called the Goldfinch. Um, there's an explosion that happens. Theo's mom is killed in the explosion. And this, this weird thing happens where Theo goes back and he steals, he, I think he sees other people stealing artwork. So he, they use this explosion to do that. So he goes in and he steals the goldfinch. Um, I only read about 85 pages of this book because I knew pretty much right away that I wasn't going to like it, which is weird because I really liked her other book, The Secret History. I don't know if you read that, but oh, yeah. I love that. So I like her writing style. I just, I think what, I wrote down a couple of things. I think why I don't like this book. It's super long. It's 770 pages, which is fine if it's warranted for the story. 
I think there needs to be a lot more editing. It's a slow burn, which is fine with me, but I just felt like there wasn't, there was going to be a lot to read to find out anything that's going to happen in this story. So I pretty much knew quickly that I wasn't going to be able to read the book. I respect Donna Clark, and, you know, and I'm sure that she deserved the Pulitzer, but it just wasn't for me. And they did make a movie out of it, mm -hmm. um, and it did not do well. Do you think you'll pick it up again? No, never. I will never pick this up again. <laughs> well, I, I think it's hilarious. We, we did not talk about this, obviously, ahead of time. But you'll notice that this is like a crummy, That's like, a, like airport version of this book. Because I love the secret history. I liked the little friend. Um, I didn't think that one. It's, it's good in a different way. So I, I listen, I pre-ordered the Goldfinch. I had every intention. The pages are like smooth and creamy. Like the paper is so nice, but it was so heavy. My little you mean weird the hardback version. No, the hardback one that you the have. Yeah. And so feel the pages for me. Feel just. They're very nice. They're very they? soft. Yes. But when I tried to read it in bed, which is usually where I read, my little uh, wrist would get tired. It, it's hard. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll just do it another day. So then I bought the trade paperback, the, uh, the larger paperback. Yeah, the larger paper. I, I was looking around to see if I had one in here. Which one um, has larger font than just like regular paperback. Yeah. And that one was still too heavy for me. So then I tried this little one. And I did get 134 pages in, which is not that much in it's this not version. not that much for that book. No. Well, plus this version has 961 pages because it's so little. Um, so it, for, for me, I will return to this. Um, and, and I did get past the, the bomb and all of that. But it just really was like a physical issue with the book. And now it's set to this, I don't like reading books with like yucky paper, because you know, these, it's like newsprint well, kind. It's paperback. Paper. Yeah. So, by chance? no, because I didn't want it to, but I, I didn't want it to spoil the book, but sometimes if I know what's going to happen, because this, this book is making me nervous. That, that's really like, there's the physical side of it, but if you read the back, bewildered by his strange new life and tormented by his longing for his mother. Oh, that's going to be painful. I don't know if I'm up for that. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. yeah. So I will return though. This is this is on my DNF, but not forever. One day. Well, you I'm, just let me know how it is. And the, I read this part like literally on an airplane. There's my there's my ticket from. Let's see where I was going. I think I was going to DC, but you, you can't just go anywhere in Jackson. You have to go to Charlotte or Atlanta first. So anyway, I'll, I will return to- Well, I will not. And I also will not watch the movie because I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have very strong opinions about that book. Yeah. And the, it's actually the whole story. I'm not interested. And I feel bad because I like Donna Clark. 
Well, you know what? You don't have to feel bad because here at, right. I should not feel bad. You don't have to feel bad. You don't like it. It's not for you. Move on. Not for me. There's a million other books I want to read. Yes. If I will. So, okay. So, it's got the goldfinch. Yeah. Okay. This next one for me is one that had triggers for me. Okay. It's a very good book. I should hold it up. It's called, I only have a copy of printout, so I don't have the actual book because I gave it away. It's called My Absolute Darling by Gabriel Talent. Um, I believe this was his debut book that was very well received. Um, it is about a man named uh, Martin and his young uh, teenage daughter um, who, go by, who, who goes by the name of Turtle, um, which I think uh, they are survivalists. They live off the grid. And the dad is very charismatic to the community. A lot of people like him. He helps a lot of people. But it's just him raising his daughter. And you immediately discover that their relationship is not healthy. There's um, a lot of abuse. There's um, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. I was given this book by a friend, and he even told me, this is a really well-written book. It's, it's an interesting story, but it's a hard, raw story. And he was right. I think I got about like 200 pages into it, but I remember the exact thing that happened that made me stop reading it. And I actually don't want to talk about it because it's uh, it's sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. But the, I have to give it to the author. He is a very good writer. And I actually really did want to find out what happens to Turtle and if she survives and gets out of this um, relationship with her father. But when this very specific scene happened, I remember I shut the book. I felt to my stomach and that's when I knew I could not I, I could not read it however I read a book very similar to this called Bastard Out of Carolina by Dorothy Allison yes I've also read it yeah but it's, it's a great book and you, you have a young girl who's being abused by her mom's boyfriend is made into a movie it's a good movie I also I don't think I could watch it again today it's like one and done mm -hmm. but this book i kind of do want to return to it i just don't know when i don't i don't know if i'll be able to if maybe to, but sometimes if you you can just go to wikipedia and see what happens yeah once you know that everything turns out okay you can go and back kind of let it go yeah yeah i just I loved the writing style and there were great passages of the times when the dad was very kind and they, it was so interesting to see how they lived off the grid and he, and you know, he treated her like, not like, oh, this is my little girl, just like, oh, this is a human and I'm going to teach her how to survive. So I, I love the skills he taught her. It's just the rest was yeah. horrible. So I, I read Bastard Out of Carolina and you know, yeah, it's it's a hard read. And then when the movie came out, someone was like, oh, are you going to go see that? It's like, are you crazy? I have lived through this trauma once. I am not subjecting myself to it again. myself again. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I'm going to save the one I hate the most for the end. Oh. But I'm going to go with another one I will return to. So this is Swing Time by Zadie Smith. And I love Zadie Smith. I love her other books. I loved White Teeth. I we read White Teeth in a book club, didn't we? Uh, I Oh, we did. I think it was our MLC book club. Wasn't it was it? Our, our, our ill-fated. Yeah, um, it did not last. It just, maybe we have a different uh, combination of people now. I think we, we could probably try it. Yeah, I think we should do it. But we read uh, White Teeth for our book club, and I loved it. I loved On Beauty. And Swing Time has potential for me to love. And and honestly, like, I don't really have a lot to say except. How far into it are you? 90 pages. Okay. So there's a lot to come. And, but there's, it's about two friends who they grow up together and they, this section ends childhood. And so I think that's just where I was like, okay, this is a good place to stop. And I'll come back to it, and then like years pass. Let's see when did this book come Sometimes out? Sometimes you need to read a book at different phases in your yeah. life. So well, it came out. It's probably, like, summer may not be the time for it. Maybe in the fall you'll, you know, you'll like yeah. it. It came out four years ago, so I'm still waiting. But I have, this is a thing that I, I have discovered. So this is my book from my house that I bought because I was so excited. I bought it the second it came out. If it had been a library book, I probably would have been able to read it. I love a shiny Mylar cover and the ability to like chuck it around the house, like toss it on the floor without it getting messed up. And I think sometimes when I'm reading a hardback book, I'm, I don't, I don't like taking the, the jacket off because I don't like how that looks. I would say when I read hardbacks that are my own, I take the jacket off because it, flops around and falls off and yeah and then like, it gets messed up and so anyway there's so many elements to reading that you don't expect to have like had the goldfinch been lighter i would have finished it had this been not a lot i mean we, we have this i'm sure at the library commission i could just i'll try it i'll try checking it out and seeing um but anyway but it's they, they there's a little tap dancing in it and i grew up being a tap dancer kind of gal and Anyway, it has potential. I'll go back. I just, it's okay. Sorry, it, Zadie Smith. It is. It's fine. And, you know, sometimes I think about the goldfinch, and again, I don't regret it, but it, it was set up where you had a mental break, not just start the, the next character, the next chapter right after the first. I hate that. And again, those are factors that, that seem probably to like the typesetter or to uh, who had uh, the production people. I have no idea how books are made, by the way, obviously, but they seem like, like, oh yeah, it's a style, but they have no idea how that affects the reader. Like how the paper quality, oh, it's such nice paper. Oh, oh, it's so heavy. I like the paper on the ends where it's, um, there's Deckled. a name, what's it called? Deckled. Yes. That's my favorite kind of paper. I hate that. A book is deckled. I am so excited. You don't I like it? it? I don't like the way it feels. It feels like hairy almost. I think this next book I'm going to talk about is deckled. Okay. Okay. So this is called Shining Through by Suzanne Isaac. Have you heard of it? I have not. Have you heard of the wait, movie? Wait, wait, wait. Is this the Melanie Griffith yes. thing? World yes. War II? Yes. Okay. Which is going to come into play and to why I can't read this book. Okay, so I love that movie. Melanie Griffith and Michael Douglas are just, 
Okay, so here's the story. There's a woman named Karen Boss, I think. Okay, and she, it's set in World War II times. And she's his secretary. His name's John Berenger. And she suspects he is a spy. But he hides that from her and says, oh, you're crazy. And so they, they start having this love affair. And she finds out he is a spy. And she is very interested in, like, spy movies. And so what happens is she becomes a U.S. A spy for the U.S. But that takes a while. It's just... But the thing is, is that she is sent to Germany and she's sent there as a nanny, but she herself, so this is during World War II, she is a Jewish person herself. This is a lot of high, there's a lot of high stakes for her. Here's why I love them. I, I just love that whole story about the spies and World War II and their love story. So it's really passionate. And I think they have. There's no uh, build up and then like nothing. No, there's build up and then there's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it was cast so well. So I've seen this movie many times. This is a case where if you watch the movie twenty times, maybe the book won't work for you. Ah. So I thought if I love the movie so much, I'm going to try the book. In fact, I didn't even know it was a book for a long time. And this book came out in like the 80s. So it wasn't like on my radar for, you know, new and current books. So I tried to read the book initially, like read it in print. And it just wasn't, it wasn't like the movie. It wasn't exciting. And then I tried to listen to the audio version. And it's just, this is a book I have on my shelf at home. I see it all the time. And I think, oh, I'm going to get to that one day. And I still feel like I'm going to, I mean, I, I think I got like 150 pages into it. I still think I'm gonna get to it one day, but I don't know. I might be 80 by then. You know, that might be the time to read it. Maybe once you forget how good the movie is. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie for a while, but I know it so well. Yeah, that's interesting. I was trying to think of a, sometimes the movie's better, you know? From what I've read of this, it's just that movie was so it's so good and it's underrated like a lot of people don't even know about it i just love it i can watch it over and over again. i you know what i think i've only seen it like once uh, I, I but now i'm inspired do, is it do you own it i don't know there, there are those movies and those tv shows that you like to watch for like comfort you know, yeah. you know them. and that's one of my go-to movies that I know the whole story, but I still, I just love it. You know what, weirdly, what I'm, one of my comfort movies is The Fugitive. That <laughs> it's is not comforting, one. it's just that I've seen it 80 bazillion times and there are no surprises and, you know, I like it. I like having something you can go to where there are no surprises, it doesn't cause anxiety, and you can just appreciate it you know, the story. And, and you can catch things that you didn't see before. I love that. Although sometimes if you watch a movie too many times, like if you watch When Harry Met Sally literally every day, like I did my freshman year in high uh, in college, there is a, is a scene where when Sally is getting out of bed and she's supposed to be naked and you can see her slip. She's wearing oh. a, like, a nightgown slip thing and you can see it, but only if you watch it 9,000 times. So does um, that like bother you every time you see it? 
it's it's like I'm I'm actually excited to see it. I'm like, okay, yeah, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have saved the best for last. Oh, by which I mean the worst. The worst. This, this is a conversation we've had probably like 10, 11 times. But I'm talking about the woman in cabin 10. Okay. So I read in a dark, dark wood. I will say suspense and thrillers are not usually my jam. You know, they are like, my jam, and I do like Ruth Ware a lot. But when something catches the world by storm, I feel a responsibility to check it out. Like, I am not uh, into Twilight, but I read the first Twilight book, so I could know what was going on. I skimmed Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, I gotta know what people are talking about. I skimmed um, it. I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say it. I skimmed. Yeah. Listen, if you read it, if it's your favorite book, go for it. I don't care. Um, but as librarians, it's important to keep, be aware of what, what is going on. So I liked In a Dark, Dark Wood enough that I tried The Woman in Cabin 10. And in this book, uh, this journalist is sent on this new luxury cruise thing to like write a story about how great it is or whatever. And it's only... A, there's only a few cabins. I think there's like, I don't know, 10. Maybe 10. <laughs> so she is next door. She must be in cabin nine because cabin 10 is next door. Oh, yeah, that's great. And there's this big gala party on the first night. How could it, how big could it be? There's only 10 cabins, but whatever. And she's getting ready and she's got this great dress and she's looking through her makeup bag and she's like, oh no, I forgot my mascara. So she does what no one in the history of the world has ever done. She goes to the room next door and knocks on the door and says, hi, can I borrow some mascara? Okay, look, the, no one borrows mascara. You know why? Because that's a personal item. That's like saying, can I borrow your toothbrush? It's, it's probably like 20% less disgusting, but it's up there at least with like, can I borrow a lipstick or... A, a used Q-tip. It's a thing that goes into a mucous membrane. And so yes. therefore it is private. You do, so not share, do not share that. Don't but, share mascara, ladies, men. And I think, well, I think all women know this. I don't know if men know about that. Well, Ruth Ware is apparently not a mascara wearer, nor is anyone on her editorial team. So whatever. I was like, that's dumb, but okay. So later, they go to the party. Later that night, the, the narrator, her name is Lo, she hears a splash, and then the woman's missing. And then as time goes on, she's like, oh my gosh, did I make it up? Did I, was there ever a woman? But look, there's the mascara I borrowed. The whole stupid plot hinges. <laughs> the, the plot hinges on the mascara. So. I have thought of the millions of things she could have borrowed. A hairbrush. Well, I don't know. A hair dryer. A there soap, shampoo, hairspray. Something that is not personal. Do you have a pair of pantyhose? Which is no one wears pantyhose, but you know what? At least they might borrow some instead of mascara. So. I didn't stop reading when she borrowed the mascara. 
but I stopped reading when it became clear that the mascara was like a big plot point because that's dumb. That's ridiculous. No one borrows mascara. You can't hinge a whole book and a missing person mystery on mascara because it's too stupid. And I was too fixated at that point to like, oh yeah, whatever. I don't believe anything. Let me and ask you a question. Have you okay. read any other Ruth Ware books after this? <laughs> no, I'm done with her. I'm done with her. Because she's got some really good ones. Like, she's gotten better. Unless she came out with an apology and said, you know, I'm not a mascara wearer. I actually have an allergy, and so I don't know. And so I thought it was just a thing, and I truly apologize for, you know what? Here on my desk is a bottle of ibuprofen, and she could have borrowed, oh, there's only a couple left in the bottle. You can just yeah, have it. Look, I have my whole uh, setup here. How about borrowing? That's perfect. Nail yeah. polish would be perfect because you can say, oh, yeah, just give it to me tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. Not mascara. I'll never, I'll never get over it. My tombstone. I don't think that you will ever forget this book. We, I, I won't. We talk about it a lot. We do. And we probably talked about it in one of these book talks before. Oh, we probably. I can't get over it. I um, get but I read the book and it was okay. It's my I've read all of her books and it's my least favorite of all her books. Of course it is. <laughs> I do want to tell one more story. I didn't bring this book and it is a book I have finished. I'm just now I'm mad at authors, so I'm gonna talk about it. But I've read every book except the last one that Jojo Moyes has written. I I didn't read The Giver of Stars. Did you read it? I DNF that book. Ah, uh, well, I read 10 pages and it stressed me out. And so I, I read about 200 and hated it. Well, I used to have, my Twitter account is now locked as a private account, but I used to have an open one. And I did not tag Jojo Moyes in this tweet, but I said, I don't even remember what book it was, but I said, oh, I really liked whatever book it was I just read. It's much better than this other Jojo Moyes book that has a dumb ending. And she responded and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't like the dumb ending. Nah, nah, nah. Okay, private, time to go private. It is important to know that authors are people who pay attention to things people say. And one thing if you had tagged her, but you didn't. So... I mean, it's good that she's engaging with her fans. And I said I liked the other book. It's yeah, just sometimes endings really affect me. Sometimes, like, I will love the book, and then it's like, and then everyone died at the end. I'm like, yeah, they try to rush a headline or something. A Russian ending. Yeah, that's interesting that she got so defensive. <laughs> or it's probably someone, some intern or somebody who handles her social media. But still, I was like, oh, hmm, okay, sorry. That makes me not want to read her other books. I still read like all of those, me before you, you before oh, me, me and no, you, me I without know. you. I read all of those. I, I read them, but um, I'm not a big fan. And I don't know. I mean, nothing against her. She's just really not for me. Listen, she better not hear this. I know she might get mad at me. I don't know. So. Well, this has been fun talking about books that some, some we liked and hope to return to. Some were like done with you forever. And again, it's perfectly okay to put a book down and pick up another. That is my hope for this 
this particular episode is that I want people to know you're not, it's okay to say this book is not for me. I'm going to go on to another book because my boyfriend was, uh, he used to be a person that would stick with the book, hate it. It would take him five months to read a book, but since we've been together for so many years and he sees me not finishing books, now he will do that book. But it's like he had to come and to realize that it's okay. In fact, it's in car, it's a good thing to realize when a book is not for you. I mean, if you ate a piece of cake and you got halfway through it and you decided the flavor was not for you, would you continue yeah. to eat it? No. Yeah, just because it's there? Yeah. No, it's the same concept. You got to stop, stop eating the cake that it's not very good. Don't read the books that aren't hitting you right. All right. Well, this has been fun. It has been. And I'll see you next time. All right. Sounds All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.